Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, December the 6th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we continue year B, the second Sunday of Advent. And on the Wednesday of the week, we have to select our own passage because there's only four passages in these weeks, the Revised Common Lectionary. And so I was thinking about Colossians chapter 1. You probably were too, you know, it's a popular chapter. So I'm going to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection. And we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us party morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is the word of God for us. All right, so this is kind of the end of chapter one of the book of Colossians, a short letter from Paul to the church in Colossae. And uh, it's got all these interesting themes. And the second half of Colossians one is this great theological statement about who Jesus is. And so since this is Advent season and we're walking with ancient Israel and we're asking, well, who is this Messiah going to be? Who, who should we be waiting on? And what is he exactly going to do? I think Colossians chapter one is a good place to go. And I guess a a couple of things that come to the surface for me. The first one is Paul's conception of his calling here. Um, On the one hand, I I think this is a great paradox. On the one hand, he is saying that something has happened definitively in Jesus. That the mystery that has been established, but it was kept hidden, as verse 26 says, uh, has, has now been revealed today. Like that's something that's been decided. So it's like there was something fully established. You know, created by God, and it was just seeking the right moment in time. Okay, so that's one end of this paradox. The other end of the paradox is Paul saying part of his commission is not just revealing this, you know, established mystery, but there's something kind of lacking. Um, Paul is receiving suffering because he's an apostle of Jesus, because there's something lacking in the body of Christ. So Christ, Jesus is both a great fulfillment and established, but, but there's something also still developing at the same time. This is where Jimmy Dunn, when he talks about the gospel, according to Paul's words, the gospel is a tradition. It's something that the scriptures revealed, uh, you know, from before, you know, in the earliest days of Israel. It's something that we are always like hearing echoes of, whispers of, right? But it's also revelation. It's something that's being uncovered. It's something uh, that's new at the same time. And so I think that's one of the unique shapes to Christian ministry is that it'll be something old and it'll be something new at the same time. And I'm willing to bet like most of us in our Christian experience, 
we'd say that we love the church where we come from. But if we were also to say, you know, I think if I could, you know, if I could suggest a couple things, we would say, and you kind of fill in the blank, there's a good chance that your church, that my church is good at the old stuff, but maybe not the new stuff. And there's a chance that our church is good at the new stuff, but not the old stuff. And so something that we strain as church workers to try to broker is how can we have treasures both old and new, as Jesus taught us in the Gospels. And so what Paul is saying here is, yes, we look to the, the past because God has been speaking all this time. And we also look ahead because this story is going somewhere. And what he recognized personally and what his Jewish contemporaries experienced um, in those first several decades of the church is that uh, there, are su- there are some surprises in Israel's present and future because they couldn't quite project where the story was going to go. But the resurrection of Jesus has reshaped all their expectations. So that's one thing I see in the text. Another thing is the hope of glory. Uh, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, verse 27 once again says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, this is just my uh reflection and response of modern day evangelicalism i tell you what man like there there could be like a tally game in the average sermon of someone talking about giving glory to god or glory to god alone and i think it's a great confession it's one of our great values in the church is to is to glorify to honor god Um, a lot of times i feel like it's said in absence of something to say and so they're like well i gotta say something profound and, and right here so they say well to the glory of god of course and I think there's just a lot of questions of what exactly does that mean? I mean, on the surface, sure, like the grunt answer is, yes, we have to give dignity to God's name. I mean, anything that we do, we should live to the glory of God. The way that we work and parent and have our relationships and treat our world, it should uh, give dignity to the God whom we claim to trust in, right? But here's like another mystery that actually the glory of God, the hope of glory is Christ in us. So. Giving God glory is not an absence to human flourishing and even to personal flourishing. Uh, For as one of the church fathers said, that the glory of God is the human fully alive. And so um, there's sometimes this, I've heard some preaching, I heard it uh, most recently at a middle school camp that I was a counselor at. And, um, you know, the the speaker was great. I think he's got sound theology. But there was one night where he just went on and on about how you are not enough. And he was telling like these burgeoning adolescents almost to like loathe themselves. And I wouldn't put that claim totally on him. But I just remember going away and and both my kids were in the audience. And I just remember like this theology of taking to its its most extremes um, can be just a, a more sacred way of thinking so lowly of ourselves. And uh, I think at, at some point that is going to work in a negative effect than a positive effect. I know what the speaker was trying to do. He's get, he was getting us to reckon with how we need Christ for forgiveness and salvation. That we're always in God's debt. That's been the Christian confession from the beginning. But I think sometimes it's pushed to such an extreme where we just loathe our own life. We want it to be shortened. Um, we to think less about ourselves and our needs. And um, we see all over the church, just anywhere, like you can walk into a room and you know, there's a good chance that a portion of the people in there are struggling with self-worth so profoundly. And sometimes I think our preaching just adds to that. And so what I want to say is, I think there's a mystery here. Yes, we could still say on the one hand, we need Christ. Like we need a saving grace. We need him to take up, as the hymn says, our helpless state, right? But 
There's a mystery here, and these are Paul's words, so take it up with Brother Paul. He says, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Christ is not thousands of miles from us. That's not the hope of glory away from us. No, the hope of glory, and we can take this up with our God if Paul's words are true. The wager that God is making is investing in people. Like he's making us the body of Christ. He is taking up residence inside of us. He didn't have to. Like there's other forms of religion out there where we're constantly wondering if we're in uh, in a peaceful relationship with God. But what we see in the scripture's confession is that God is building us up personally as he's building up the body of Christ corporately. So I want us all to, at some point to record this, take a look in the mirror and say, you know, just as God took up human form, and we, we celebrate that this Christmas, you know, as Advent leading up to Christmas. Like, we need to reckon with that. Like, that's part of the story, is that God's life was so infused in a human body that perhaps that is the continual theological statement and the continual aspiration of the church, is that we can imagine what it's like to be God's people and be so filled with Him that we can reckon and say, I can love God, I can love neighbor, and I can love myself because the Lord gives me license to. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you for the miracle of life where you have created this world. And even though uh, back in the day, this world turned against you instead of turning on it and leaving it to its own demise, you put on human form and you came among us uh, resisted all of our temptations, suffered on our sinner's cross in order to continue to make a covenant people that would mend the whole universe. So God, we rejoice this day that you've included us in that outworking of that story. Uh, You sought us down while strangers and you placed us in your family. God, we thank you for uh, the rule of life for your people, which is to love you and to love others and to love ourselves. God, we confess that we struggle maybe in all three of those areas, but we certainly struggle with caring for ourselves. Uh, We've been taught in religious settings that we should neglect our own needs um, all the way to the end so that others can be taken care of. Um, We confess to you that times we harbor such a low view of who we are, and because of that, the glory of God is diminished in the earth. And so God, we just pray that you'd help us to keep this balance of how we can place ourselves into your hands in debt, but we can also see ourselves lifted because of your love in our lives. And I pray that that would have a cascading effect, that it would give us strength and courage to enter into the very thorny issues of this world with confidence that our God is with us and we can trust ourselves because Christ dwells within us. So God, we pray that you would give us your life today. Pour your love into our hearts today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.